Bilbo meets the most perplexing creature yet, and another simple choice saves the fate of Middle-earth. Today we explore Chapter 7 of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, Queer Lodgings, and I think you'll see that if Bilbo had to leave a review on Airbnb for Bayorn's flower-encircled wooden cottage, complete with live large bees and table-serving animals, he might give Bayorn a 5-star rating. Likewise, if you like this episode, please leave a rating and review and help your fellow Middle-earth wanderers find some respite in their wandering. Now, let's wander. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's start by addressing the chapter title, Queer Lodgings. To our modern ears, queer has quite a different definition and usage than what Tolkien would have meant when he selected that description. To Tolkien, queer would have meant strange or odd. That's not usually how we use the word queer today, but for the purposes of this chapter, let's keep our eyes open for those things that are strange or odd. Coincidentally, various synonyms for queer include a few themes that we've seen throughout Bilbo's story already, including unexpected, peculiar, and unfamiliar. And this chapter has its share of unexpected and peculiar characters, not to mention some of the most mysterious creatures yet. The chapter opens with another mention of Bilbo telling the time by a meal. He wakes up, thinking he should go put the kettle on for breakfast. As the eagles fly Bilbo down from their eyries, he can see a river running through grasslands. This river is the Anduin, the Great River, on the east of the Misty Mountains that runs south past Lothlorien, where the Fellowship of the Ring will join the river as they float on little boats. But that's not for another sixty years. The eagles drop the company on a tall rock. As Bilbo descends the rock, he can see that a path has been worn into the rockside, complete with steps. Bilbo later learns that this feature is called the Karak, by someone that Gandalf knows. But what does Gandalf have to say about this new person? First, that he is very dangerous, and that he, quote, gets angry easily. Gandalf names him Beorn and calls him a skin changer. This Beorn is apparently a giant of a man, who can change his shape into a black bear. Gandalf explains, quote, 
Some say that he is a bear descended from the great and ancient bears of the mountains that lived there before the giants came. Others say that he is a man descended from the first men who lived before Smog or the other dragons came into this part of the world. Gandalf suspects that the second explanation is nearer the truth, so let's unpack each of those origin stories. The first guess, that Beorn is a bear, is rather mysterious. I have no information about the ancient bears that lived in the mountains. On the second guess, if Beorn is a man descended from the ancient fathers of men, how could he have the ability to turn into a bear? One possibility is that Beorn is from the Maiar, that class of spirits that serve the Valar. However, I find that very unlikely, as, to my knowledge, Tolkien didn't return much to the idea of Beorn, and the idea of Maiar living on Middle-earth is very, very rare. To me, Beorn is simply one of those mystifying mysteries of Middle-earth. Not everything has an explanation. I'm reminded of Tolkien's thoughts about how to approach fantasy from his essay on fairy stories. Quote, The land of fairy story is wide and deep and high, and is filled with many things. All manner of beasts and birds are found there, shoreless seas and stars uncounted, beauty that is an enchantment and an ever-present peril, both sorrow and joy as sharp as swords. In that land, man may perhaps count himself fortunate to have wandered, but its very riches and strangeness make dumb the traveler who would report it. And while he is there, it is dangerous for him to ask too many questions, lest the gates shut and the keys be lost. So a warning here. Those who seek for scientific explanations of Bayorn, the manner of his skin changing, where he came from and why he exists in Middle-earth, will be sorely disappointed, and perhaps the gates of the land of fairy story may be shut to you. That said, in chapters past, Bilbo has encountered new creatures before, who are most often revealed by their landscape and home. So let's look for clues to Baron's nature and what he chooses to surround himself with. Besides Gandalf's warnings and unhelpful explanation of Beorn, the next clue are his lands and home. Quote, it was the middle of the afternoon before they noticed that great patches of flowers had begun to spring up, all the same kinds growing together as if they had been planted. Ah, so Beorn is a planner and designer. He has an appreciation for the natural beauty of plants like flowers. He is careful enough to cultivate many different kinds of flowers, yet to grow them together with their kinds. Let's continue. The second clue is a sound. Quote, there was a buzzing and a whirring and a droning in the air. Bees were busy everywhere. These bees were large, quote, bigger than your thumb, with a fiery golden color to them. But the bees are not the only creature to reveal their master. Well-groomed horses, quote, looked at them intently with very intelligent faces. Gandalf has devised a plan as to not overwhelm Beorn and have them all killed. He will tell a good story and keep interrupting it by introducing the dwarves in pairs. It's a fabulous technique and works perfectly in order to win Beorn's hospitality, but not quite his friendship, yet. When Bilbo sees Beorn, clearly Beorn is the opposite of a hobbit. Beorn is huge, with a black beard and hair, with arms and legs rippling with muscles. He's so tall that Bilbo's head is shorter than the lower fringe of Beorn's tunic. Also, unlike Bilbo, when Gandalf introduces himself, Bayorn claims to have never heard of Gandalf. 
And later, as the dwarves are introduced, they offer their service. But unlike Bilbo from Chapter 1, Bayorn says, quote, I don't need your service, thank you, but I expect you need mine. But like the other creatures we've encountered so far, Bayorn does not recognize what a hobbit is. Quote, and what's this little fellow, he said, stooping down to frown at the hobbit with his bushy black eyebrows. Bayorn at least invites them in, and Gandalf begins his long tale to slowly introduce the rest of the company. At one point, Bayorn understands that he is about to be the host of an unexpected party. Quote, Go on, whistle again. I am in for a party, it seems, and one or two more won't make a difference. Eventually, the whole party is introduced to Bayorn who has refused their service each time it's been offered. It's then that Bilbo understands Gandalf's strategy. Quote, Mr. Baggins saw then how clever Gandalf had been. The interruptions had really made Bayorn more interested in the story, and the story had kept him from sending the dwarves off at once, like suspicious beggars. Bayorn feeds the company. His animals have been trained to wait on the guests. The meal matches their dinner with Elrond back in Rivendell which is a nice bookend to their mountain journey. Both Elrond and Bayorn live close to nature, are the combination of two races, and provide the best meals the dwarves have on their adventure. Bayorn is very interested to hear about how the orcs and wargs suffered at the hands of Gandalf and the dwarves, but doesn't care for the stories of gold and jewels that the dwarves have to share. Night falls. Bayorn takes his leave, and the dwarves sing a song, much like their song from the unexpected party in Bilbo's hobbit hole all those months ago. Bilbo hears a growling and scuffling outside during the night. The next day, Gandalf returns from a scouting expedition, and reports that he observed prints that suggest the bears had a dancing party the night before. Quote, I should say there were little bears, large bears, ordinary bears, and gigantic big bears all dancing outside from dark to nearly dawn. That night, Bilbo even dreams of, quote, hundreds of black bears dancing slow, heavy dances round and round in the moonlight. The idea of bears dancing is an interesting one. Though he didn't elaborate in The Hobbit, Tolkien did write about the bear dances that occurred in the Second Age on the island of Numenor. There, the bears and the men of Numenor were friendly with each other. And, as told in the book, The Fall of Numenor, edited by Brian Sibley, we get this gem, quote, Most strange of all were the bear dances. The bears, the black bears especially, had curious dances of their own. But these seem to have become improved and elaborated by the instruction of men. At times, the bears would perform dances for the entertainment of their human friends. Perhaps this dance that Gandalf finds evidence for is an ancient tradition of the bears, perhaps even related to the bear dances of Numenor. Soon Bairn returns, and having discovered that their story is actually true, also asserts that, quote, a great raid of the whole goblin army with their wolf allies might soon be made to find the dwarves. Tuck that bit of information away for now, it's a bit of foreshadowing. Bairn now gives his friendship to Thorn and company, and offers his help to get them as far as the forest of Mirkwood. But we'll get to that right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bayorn aids Thorn and his companions in the quest. His help comes in the form of food, advice, and ponies. First, food. How could anything else be first in a tale about a hobbit? One of the items that Bayorn provides is, quote, twice-baked cakes that would keep good for a long time, and on a little of which they could march far. The making of these was one of his secrets, but honey was in them, and they were good to eat. Now, you may read this description of Bayorn's bread and think to yourself, that sounds an awful lot like Lambas. Easy to preserve, gives lots of energy, secret recipe. However, Bayorn's bread is not Lambas. Though I do concede Bayorn may have been inspired by Lambas, if he even knew of its existence. From the Silmarillion, we discover a little more about Lambas. Quote, According to the customs of the Adalier, the keeping and giving of Lambas belonged to the queen alone. The Eldar had never before allowed men to use this way bread and seldom did so again. Next, Bayorn gives advice, which is primarily the admonition to not leave the path of Mirkwood for any reason, and a warning that the forest river is under an enchantment that will cause, quote, a great drowsiness and forgetfulness. Hmm, that seems important to remember for a future chapter. And Bayorn also gives some advice that seems an awful lot like Pippin's logic in the Two Towers film. Bayorn tells the dwarves that they will be riding north, closer to the orc strongholds, quote, for that is what they will least expect. I see a connection there to Pippin saying, the closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm. Lastly, Bayorn gives them ponies to ride, asking the dwarves to send back the animals at the forest edge, a promise which they almost did not keep. And though he doesn't say it, Bayorn also gives them protection while on the two or three day journey to Mirkwood. Only Bilbo and Gandalf are observant enough to realize the black bear that has been tracking the party. But before entering the forest, Gandalf says he will not be going with them into the forest, for he has, quote, some pressing business away south. He does not specify what that pressing business is, and I wonder if even Tolkien knew when he wrote The Hobbit. Remember, we're more than 15 years away from the publishing of The Fellowship of the Ring. But we now know that what Gandalf's business was. He entered the old forest, Dolgaldor, in the southern reaches of Mirkwood, and with the other members of the White Council, banished the Necromancer. For now, though, the only mention of the Necromancer is this, quote, Before you could get around the forest in the south, you would get into the land of the Necromancer. And even you, Bilbo, won't need me to tell you tales of that black sorcerer. I don't advise you to go anywhere near places overlooked by his dark tower. How lucky was this advice heeded? Gandalf and the White Council did not then know that the Necromancer was indeed the Dark Lord Sauron, again taking shape and calling all evil things to him. What if Bilbo had gone south with Gandalf, in an effort to bypass the dark path of Mirkwood? Would the White Council have been able to banish the Necromancer? Or, more sinisterly, would Sauron have been able to reclaim the One Ring and suddenly erupted into his full power again? How catastrophic for Middle-earth would that have been? <laughs>
But Gandalf turns away, his last advice being to not leave the path. Bilbo and the dwarves, quote, turned from the light that lay on the lands outside and plunged into the forest. Another journey through the dark has begun. But we'll get to that next week. Join me in the next episode, where we'll look at this chapter's adaptation in the second Hobbit movie. Thanks for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work. You're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within 5 or 10 minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.